0: If God is good, why is my world so bad? Question number five. The problem of evil, the problem of pain, the problem of suffering. This is perhaps the biggest obstacle for people as they evaluate faith. If your God is good, why is the world bad? And I want to acknowledge as we start this morning that I know for some of you when we talk about suffering, that is very real in your life right now. And I don't mean to diminish that as we step back and look at this issue kind of from a big picture perspective.
1: I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer.
2: And this is The Thought Factory.
0: The Thought Factory podcast
2: is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
1: If God is so good, why is my world so bad? And that's the question that we are discussing today And Michelle Rewa, we're going to listen to a talk that she gave in front of a live audience of students in the summer of 2021. But Jason, this particular question is really timely right now because there's a lot of change and there's a lot of craziness happening as we record this. We're in the middle of this period in time where we're still... um, have the disruption of COVID all over the world in our society and for students, it's in their everyday life, in their school. And so when we think about that, this question of why is my world so bad, a lot of students can relate to this.
2: Regardless of where you're listening from in the world, you can look at the world and go, there is a lot of wrong and bad happening around me. And you can easily jump to that conclusion of, well, then God must be bad. Like he doesn't, or he doesn't care. And again, Michelle lays out a logical reason to believe and to help us understand that God is still good, that God is still present in our lives. But the bad that we are experiencing or seeing and witnessing around us, there's a reason for it. And it doesn't diminish God's character with all the bad going on. But when we start to understand the bad that we see, we start to say, Yeah, God is still good, regardless.
1: I've worked with students for over 30 years now, and I would say that over time, and it's really been amplified, and it's spiked during the last two years, but this question of students wrestling with the problem of evil has increased over time in all the years I've been working with students that I would say when I first started decades ago, That wasn't uh, there weren't a lot of students that I interacted with that dealt with that. But I think today it's so much more prevalent that students are are talking about the problem of evil. And they're asking questions that I think in the past, Jason, they didn't ask maybe until young adulthood or even into further into adulthood. And now students are saying, why does evil exist and why does it exist in my world?
2: And when you ask that question, Michelle lays out a standard. That God has in order for us to recognize what evil is. And again, she does it so eloquently. Yes. And it's easy to understand when you listen to her go, Oh, this makes sense why there is evil and why I can recognize evil. But there is a godly standard, and without it, we wouldn't be able to recognize
1: evil. I'm so, so grateful for Michelle's teaching and her thought process. And I'm excited for you today as you listen to this. This is part five of six in a mini series that we're doing about foundations of faith for students and for us. And I believe that as you listen to this and as you consider your audience of students, you might be a parent, you might be a youth worker, you might be uh, in youth ministry in terms of vocationally or a teacher or just someone who cares about young people. As you listen to this, here's what will be good for you is to consider students in your audience that are asking this question that you may not even know about. They're asking, why is evil exist? And when I stand up in front of audiences of students and as I stand up before my church as a pastor, it is very prevalent in my mind that I'm standing before a group of people that ha- some have very, very deep and serious questions in this area of their life because of something they've experienced. Jason, this is, in in especially in modern uh, times, but maybe in the history of our nation and maybe the world right now because of what we're going through, there are more students dealing with anxiety, depression, um, suicide, abuse. abuse, isolation. All these things have piled up in students, and they're asking these questions.
2: And they are asking these questions. It may not be exactly worded this way. If God is so good, why is my world so bad? But they are recognizing something's wrong and, and almost inherently just going, there can't be a God that cares about me. If my life is so bad and we recognize that happens. There's a lot of students. There's a lot of people that are carrying the weight of abuse or carrying the weight of tragedy, carrying the burden of sin that is maybe heavier than some other people are experiencing. And and we can go, that is not right. And we are acknowledging that. And it again, it doesn't diminish God's goodness. And yet we can easily dismiss that. We can easily go, God's not good because my life is so bad and you don't understand. One thing I wanted to add on top of that is just because we can find out and, and reason through all this, it doesn't eliminate the issues that we may still be experiencing. You may still have to walk with your students through the pain and through the issues that they are experiencing. Just because you can, can get somebody to understand the, the bad world around us, it doesn't eliminate the bad just because we understand. And so I just wanted to kind of present that just because we can answer a question doesn't mean it eliminates the issues that we experience.
1: We want to highly encourage you and suggest that you share this podcast with students directly in your youth ministry, in your context, whatever it looks like, as youth workers, as parents. Share it with other parents because we need to be doing everything we can to support, encourage, and surround students as they think about some of these deep questions. So here's Michelle, the summer of 2021 and before a live audience of students at NTS Camp. Talking about the question, if God is so good, why is my world so bad?
3: Suppose what Oscar believed in as he died, in spite of your protestations, suppose it's all true Mm. and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? I will basically, what's known as theodicy, I think, I'll say bone cancer in children. What's that about? How dare you, how dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right, it's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. And you think you're going to get in no, on that? but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to get in on his terms. They're wrong. Now, if I died and it was, it was Pluto, Hades, And if it was the twelve Greek gods, then I would have more truck with it, because the Greeks were... They didn't pretend not to be human in their appetites, and in their capriciousness, and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all-seeing, all-wise, all-kind, all-beneficent. Because the god who created this universe, if it was created by a god, is quite clearly a maniac, utter maniac, totally selfish, We have to spend our life on our knees, thanking him? What kind of God would do that? Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects, whose whole life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could easily have made a a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable.
0: Good morning. Um, That's Stephen Fry, he's a... (laughs) he's a comedian, he's an actor, he's an author, he's a poet, he's a brilliant guy. So smart. I really admire him. I I don't agree with him. He's clearly an atheist, um, but I really admire how smart he is. I would like to sit down and just listen to him talk for a while. For those of you who have some anxiety issues, there are no insects that will burrow from the inside of your eye through your eyelid. That's, That's not a real thing. He's been misinformed about that, but Beyond that, he brings up this point, this good point, this issue in our world today, the problem of evil. If God is good, why is my world so bad? Question number five. The problem of evil, the problem of pain, the problem of suffering. This is perhaps the biggest obstacle for people as they evaluate faith. If your God is good, Why is the world bad? And I wanna acknowledge as we start this morning that I know for some of you when we talk about suffering, that is very real in your life right now. And I don't mean to diminish that as we step back and look at this issue kind of from a big picture perspective. We said yesterday that sin equals death, right? That doesn't just mean physical death, Sin, when it brought death in the world, also brought death, like brokenness, between my relationship with God until Jesus. It brings brokenness and death into my relationships with other people. It brings brokenness and death in my relationship with the creation, and it brings brokenness in the creation. And so in that, we see kind of two flavors of evil in the world. We see like this man-made evil, you know, like when people fly airplanes into a building. And we see kind of natural evil... Like what he's talking about, bone cancer in children, or bone cancer in anyone, or cancer in anyone. Nobody did anything to, to make that happen. It's just this natural evil that's in the world. If God is good, why is the world bad? And there are people who struggle with this question, and they say, well, maybe God is good, but he isn't actually powerful enough to stop all the bad stuff. Or maybe God is really powerful, but he doesn't really care about us enough to stop all the bad stuff. Or maybe there's just no God at all, because if there were a God, the world would be a better place. Now, sometimes what they're really saying is, I don't agree with how God is handling the problems in the world. I'm angry with God, and so I'm going to reject him. But sometimes it is this sincere struggle if God is good, why is the world bad? There must not be a God at all. I want to suggest to you this morning that the existence of evil in the world actually proves or supports the existence of God. So we're going to do a little philosophy this morning. My elementary school teachers would have said, put your thinking caps on. I always kind of imagined it like a little tight around your neck. So put your thinking caps on this morning. We're going to do a little philosophy. This is hard stuff. You're going to have to like dive in. Thank you. You got it. So here we go. Everybody say number one. You stunk at that. Everybody say number one. Thank you. Number one, recognizing evil presupposes a standard of good. I know that sounds complicated. I'm going to help you understand it. It's just about opposites. How do you know that something is evil? Because you know what good is. How do you know that there's something wrong with the world? Because you know, somehow, how it should be. You have some sense in you of how the world should be and that it's not right. Where does that come from? I want you to think back to our very first question, our first question about the universe. There is all kinds of evidence for a designer that we didn't even touch on, volumes and volumes and volumes of evidence. But let's say I'm wrong about that. Let's say we are a big accident, and it all happened by itself. If that were true, if that were true, then you, you are just an extension of the animal kingdom. You are just a bunch of chemical reactions walking around and you are programmed by your DNA subconsciously, all you really care about is survival, reproduction, and maintenance of the species. That's it. That's your job. If that were true, if all you are is survival of the fittest and natural selection, what do you care about a bunch of kids who have bone cancer? That's just less people for you to compete with. Nobody thinks like that. Nobody thinks like that. How come? The Bible says that God placed within you an understanding of right and wrong, of how the world should be. That's why you care. Because you know what good is, and you know the world isn't that way. Number two. Everybody say number two. Number two, standards of right and wrong, or good and evil, only have value when there is a moral authority behind them. That sounds complicated, too. We'll get there, all right? We have some friends who are dog people. I'm sure that some of you in this room are dog people. All right. Hooray for dog people. These are dog people like big dog people, you know, not like little teacup dogs. Big dogs, (laughs) hooray for dogs, big dogs, all right? They have big dogs. And when they would leave the house, two big dogs, when they would leave the house, their dogs would chew on the carpet in their house, all over the house. (laughs) Yeah, they do, because that's what dogs do. They would chew holes in the carpet all over the house to the point where they had to replace all their carpet in their house with hard floors, because there were holes all over the house in the carpet, because the dogs were chewing on the carpet. Dogs just, that's what they do, right? The dogs are just happily chewing the rugs, right, when the owners go away. And then they come back, and they see what the dogs have done, and they say, that's bad. You're a bad dog. You shouldn't do that. And the dog gets that sad dog face. You know how dogs have sad face. Cats don't have sad faces. That's why I like cats better. They don't care. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to get us into dogs and cats. The dog, when the owners are gone, the dog is just happily doing whatever a dog wants to do, oblivious, chewing the rug. And then the superior being enters the room and says, that's wrong. You see where I'm going with this? Let's say I came up to you, and I noticed something you were doing that I disagreed with, and I said, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. You would have every right to say to me, you shouldn't say it because it would not be polite and I'm your elder, but you would have every right to say, you're not the boss of me. And you know what? Technically, you're right. I mean, don't say that to your parents, but technically, you're right. I'm not the boss of you. I am just another rug chewer like you. We are all just chewing the rug in different ways. There is a group that gets together every once in a while, a humanist group, which is code word for atheist, a group of these really smart people who all get together every so often, every few years, and they come up with a list of moral rules that everyone they think should follow. And I kind of feel like saying, who made you God? Because they're just rug chewers too. I don't care if they're Nobel Prize winners. We're all just a bunch of human beings with opinions. We need the moral authority. We need the superior being to give us that designation of right and wrong. Otherwise, it's all just a roll of the dice. Number three, everybody say number three. Number three. <laughs> the idea that evil is wrong comes from being designed with an understanding of how the world should be from an authority outside of ourselves. The existence of evil supports the existence of God. Your recognition of evil supports the existence of God. So, back to the original question. If God is good, why is the world so bad? Well, let me start by reminding you that God didn't create an evil world. I could never worship a God who created a world with so much evil. God didn't create an evil world. God created a perfect world. God created a perfect world. But because sin equals death and that free will problem of choice, I know where evil comes from. It comes from us. It comes from me. And it comes from you. And let's Let's acknowledge that suffering is often a consequence of our own bad choices or the bad choices of the people around us. I know there's things outside of our control, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we do a bunch of really stupid things and then we say, Oh God, why am I struggling so much? Suffering is often a consequence of our choices playing out in our lives. And yet, God has a reason for allowing evil in the world, even when I don't understand it. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And he will use suffering to change us, to make us more like Jesus. It is a lifelong process, and sometimes pain is part of it. God is at work right now destroying evil in the world starting with you and starting with me. We're very outward focused. You know, we look all around at all the other people around us, right? God, have you seen those people? Do you know the bad things that those people do? You should go fix those people. God, do you know about this problem? You should go fix this problem. God, why aren't you why aren't you dealing with those people over there? And And Jesus says, I wanna work on the evil inside of you. And we go, I'm a good person. I'm fine, I don't need you to work on me. And God says, no, I wanna work on the evil in you. I wanna clean up your pride. I wanna clean up your selfishness. I wanna clean up your language. I wanna clean up your materialism. I wanna clean up your gossip and your judgment. And then as I'm working on you, you can go to those people. You can tell those people what I've been doing in your life. And then maybe those people will be open to me, and then I can start working on those people. We need to stop being so worried about everyone else's evil and start thinking about how God wants to work on us. Let me just acknowledge to you this morning that suffering is less of an intellectual problem and more of an emotional one. You can know all of this stuff, and when you are in the midst of pain, it doesn't help a whole lot. It's not comforting, so here's the comfort. Jesus stepped into our world and experienced suffering with us and for us. He is not a distant God. He is a God that weeps alongside you, And someday he will return. The Bible says someday he will return. This is a promise. Someday he will return and he will destroy evil. And the world will be that perfect place again. So first big thought for this morning. God has a plan even when I can't see it. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed
2: in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.